Well, this, uh, we almost got Christmas coming. Yay. And uh, yes, you're Yay. excited. Yeah. Why are love, you excited? I love Christmas. Yeah. Just the spirit of it. Is anything it's, special going to happen for you Christmas? Uh, well, I have to be with my children and grandkids. Uh, <laughs> I get to be. Uh, well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I pray that uh, your season is going well. And uh, listen, if you uh, may be a little bit down, maybe there's something in your life that, uh, that uh, you know, just maybe you got some bad news or, or whatever, um, let's take that to the Lord. You see, God wants us to share our burdens. He wants to help us carry those things. And so I think that would be good for us to do that this moment. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we come before you today. And thank you for the reason that we get to celebrate this time of the year. We thank you for that. Thank you for uh, inviting us to take the burdens that we have or the sorrow or the things that are going on in our heart that, that perhaps are weighing us down, that, Father, we can come and unload them off of on you. And you promised that you would help us to carry those burdens. And you give us joy in the times of sorrow, peace when unrest is there, love when we don't feel loved. God, you promised to take care of us. So we trust you with this. And we think of those who uh, couldn't make it today. And I think of Ron, who hasn't been feeling well. And we're glad that we got the report this morning that he's better. I pray for the, the uh, fellow pastor in the community that's been in the hospital, I pray for him, pray for healing. And uh, there are other things that are going on in our life that we, we bring them to you at this time with faith, believing that you can heal. I think of our friend Wayne who's getting ready to have a procedure. And, and uh, another lady come to my mind that they're going to have these procedures uh, that are happening. And Father, we just ask for wisdom, for skills, for the doctors to do their procedures well. Thank you for loving us. Father, there's something that you want to do special in each of our hearts today. Help us be open to that. In Jesus' name, amen. Mind you, the connection card, they're on the back there in Philadelphia for prayers and praise. And we'd love to hear what's going on in your life. And if there can be anything that we can help you with, there's some steps, um, just turn those in. And listen, if you're not getting our email uh, newsletter, we do a lot of good stuff through that, important stuff through, for our church. And um, put your email address and we'll put you on the list, okay? All right, let's, uh, Cindy, let's do a hey. what, memory verse. Or... There it is. There it is. Let's stand. And if you want to... This is the verse that the children are learning, so we're going to help memorize it with them. Say it loud. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices. Wow. And God, my Savior. I think part of it's missing. Do y'all think so? Glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Okay. So let's say that one more time. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord 
and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She's carrying God in her womb. Isn't that amazing? Oh, every woman would love to have done that. But Mary was the one that God used as the vehicle for him to be born into this world. That's awesome. Let's glorify him right now and rejoice in him right now through music. And uh, we call that also worship. We all know this song. You guys are faithful today. You came. In spite of everything that's going on in our world, you came. So let's sing, Oh Come All Ye Faithful. Please sing, sing it out really loud. Oh come all ye faithful. I don't know if you noticed the little manger over there. We're practicing our little children at the preschool. And we had a really sweet moment. It was amazing. We had gotten done and we shuffled up. We're doing the shepherd shuffle. It's a song that we all shuffle over there. And, and you'll see I had to put a barrier up for the children because they all like to be in the manger. And so, um, but it was so precious because we have them bow. They all knelt around baby Jesus. And mind you, there are some that don't know, probably many of them, they come from homes. It was just one of those moments where it was such a good prayer and worship time for me to be able to say, Lord, 
may they bow their knee to you in the next few years to come. And I pray that their families will come and know you as well so um, that they can come and worship you. Powerful, powerful moment. I hope we all have that moment during this um, season, this Christmas season. in there, isn't it?
God, we look forward to the day that we can visually see this happening. Right now, it's in spirit. And as one of the old Christmas songs said, that that has never stopped ceasing, the praise around you. That's amazing. When we as humans fail and we forget and we sometimes on purpose sin, there's still praising going on around you because you are worthy of it. You deserve it. You are love. You are holy. You are right. You are just. And we are so grateful and proud, proud of our God who has written the story that we can praise and worship you. You have caused us inwardly as a Christian, as a believer who's received Christ, who's believed what he's done for us. It just can't help but bubble out because that's Jesus in us, his spirit in us. So God, today, we worshiped you. Just thinking about the words and the joy that came out of that. Thank you for receiving it. Is it was very inadequate. We want to give you more and we can't wait to that day when we are perfect and that we could do that perfectly. But until then, Lord, thank you for your redemption and your forgiveness in those moments that we aren't there yet. We love our people here because you love them and you love us. May we receive from your word today the truth, the way, the life, for all of our daily living. We praise you for it. Thank you for the preacher that you've sent us. And may we hear from you through him. We pray all these things in your precious name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we turn to the book of Luke chapter 2. There should be some sermon notes that were passed out to you if you'd like to follow along the notes. I just want to make mention, um, next week um, is going to be our Christmas Sunday service. And um, so I encourage you to come out. And now it's going to be a a little bit different type of service. Uh, We've been doing a series called The Spirit of Christmas. And so we're going to talk about the spirit of Christmas from the past, present, and the future. And we have three different uh, speakers lined up. And I believe they're going to be from three different generations and uh, so, um, and I'll be one of them. I won't tell you which one I, I'm going to be. <laughs> uh, probably the, one of the oldest ones, or close to it. So um, that'll be next time. I encourage you to bring your, your friends and your family um, to come uh, for that special service. So we approach this Christmas season. There's certainly many things that... Um, Kind of go against Christmas. It's kind of like, it's almost like, you know, you're, you're, you're going uphill on this one. All right, so, all right, we got to do this, we got to do that. Oh, can't do that, can't do this. Oh, you know, and, and it's just, it can be even like a little struggle to get to the, to, to, as we go forward with Christmas and what Christmas means to us. If we aren't careful, we can let the Grinch steal what makes the spirit of Christmas real. You have to be careful of this. There's so much downplaying and, and coming against us that it just feels like there's, there's just a, a, you know, a fight to, to maintain the spirit of Christmas, what Christmas is all about. 
So we've been doing some series of messages on that, and today as well. And then next Sunday, we encourage you to join us with that. And then also what we're doing is that, remember how that beginning of all this, we talked about hope for, for the day, hope for today, and we have different individuals that do devotions. So if you're on the email list, we're going to be um, passing out by uh, email every day a devotion that is written by someone from our church. And these are things that will help us to keep the spirit of Christmas uh, in the forefront of our, what the true spirit of Christmas is all about. And so you'll be looking for that as well. You know, when we say the, the phrase spirit of Christmas, there are different interpretations to what this phrase means. I mean, the spirit of Christmas automatically some, uh, you know, go to, uh, well, that's a, like a ghost, you know, maybe a spirit of the dead that's coming back and, and to haunt us. You know, if you know anything about God, God is all about life. He's all about the living I mean, as Cindy prayed in, in, you know, John 14, 6, he is the way, the truth, and the life, you know. Uh, a, a verse that if the devil would be, it would be opposite, you know, all right. Uh, he's the false, he's the dead end, uh, and he is death. You know, that's what, uh, that's the difference. The spirit of Christmas uh, is not about ghosts. It's not about the spirit of the dead. It's about the living. To some, the spirit of Christmas may be in a bottle. You know, the spirits of Christmas in the bottle. To, to some, the spirit of Christmas uh, is, in, and I would say to most people, they recognize that the spirit of Christmas is about giving. It's about joy. It's about love. It's about peace. It's about goodwill to all, which is truly the spirit of uh, Christmas or what Christmas is all about. Now, for some, as we enter in this season... It stirs up some bad memories. You have suffered loss, and Christmas once again reminds you of that loss. And I am sorry for you. Uh, the spirit of Christmas is a sad spirit for some. Earl Weiler wrote this. He said, Christmas is a bitter day for mothers who are poor. The wistful eyes of children are daggers to endure. Those shops are crammed with playthings and not for everyone. If a mother's purse is empty, there might well be none. My purse is full of money, but I cannot buy a toy, only a wreath of holly for the grave of my little boy. This could be a season for you that intensifies the sadness because the anticipated joy. That is true for some. We all understand that Christmas is going to be different in many ways. But you know, the true Christmas spirit never changes. And so we ask ourselves, what is the true spirit of Christmas? What is the Christmas about? When we examine the people that, that were there, uh, that God used for that first Christmas, we see a common theme that is revealed in their lives about and during that uh, uh, first Christmas. In fact, if we don't see what people saw in the first Christmas, we end up missing the true spirit of Christmas. We will have a shallow Christmas, a meaningless event. It is nothing more than a feel-good time. It's nothing more like a predictable, romantic, Hallmark Christmas movie. 
which we've been watching a few of those. Could already tell the plot, how it's going to end, what they're going to go through, and there it is. Yep. And they get together. If we had the opportunity to interview those that were there at the first Christmas, we would see that uh, the spirit of Christmas is about the spirit of worship. And I'd like to speak to you this morning about worship. Here's what I believe. That is very clear that the first Christmas was, had the spirit of worship. And we see this over and over again in those who participated in the birth of Jesus Christ. So let's start with Elizabeth. So the spirit of Christmas is worship. And we're going to start with, with Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary. And the angel had already revealed to Mary, the mother of, Je- of Jesus, that delivered Jesus, that she would give birth to the Son of God, our Savior. So let's begin reading in Luke chapter 1. We'll read a few verses, starting in verse 39. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. I'm reading out of the ESV, and uh, I'll make some comments. Also, I'll use the LT in just a moment. But in the ESV, it says, in Luke chapter 1, it says, In those days Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now let's stop. And ask the question, why did she go to this distance to see her cousin? I believe this, because as we follow through that, Elizabeth becomes a, a, a person of encouragement and, and wisdom. Something that uh, uh, no doubt Mary gravitated when, when probably she was in doubt and the concerns that she may have had as it was announced to her that she would deliver uh, the Messiah, the Son of God. And no doubt she had thoughts of what are people say. And she knew this. She, she knew that if I could go to Elizabeth, Elizabeth is a godly woman. She will help me. She, she will encourage me. And I can share anything with Elizabeth, and, and she would help me through that. And maybe not judge me. I think that we need to have people like that in our lives. Yeah, people that, that are like Elizabeth and, 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 or like Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, that we need to have those. And this is why these small groups are so important, that we get away and, and, and we get to a place that we can trust one another and we can go there and we can share life and, and, and it can help us through those difficult things that we go through. They are, they are such a blessing to us. And so uh, here's Here's uh, Mary, and she goes to Elizabeth, and, and we read on in verse 41, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, who happens to be, we find out that's John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He's the one who prepared the way of Jesus. So, so John the Baptist is born, and then shortly after, Jesus Christ is born. And, Jesus, and John the Baptist set the way, set the stage for Jesus to come in and to reveal who he was and uh, preach the gospel. And so uh, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, John the Baptist, leaped in her room, in her, in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that's important because we, we follow, as we follow these uh, participants, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in control, and the words that come out, your actions are driven, are given by the Holy Spirit. 
And so here's Elizabeth, and she's filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment. And, he, and so these words that she exclaims are important. And she exclaimed with a loud cry. I mean, it, wasn't, it was something that just overwhelmed her. And she, a loud cry, said, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Let's stop here and say that as, as Mary came to Elizabeth and she approaches Elizabeth, Elizabeth, we're sure that she did not know that Mary was pregnant. It was just probably Joseph and, and Mary were the only ones that knew because this was something of shame to be, uh, to, to be uh, uh, with child uh, outside of marriage. And, and in fact, it could have been uh, in an in uh, adultery situation uh, that uh, she could even lose her life because of that. And so here she is, and then, but Elizabeth knows. How does she know? Because the Holy Spirit told her. She walked in that room. You're with child, and that child is the Son of God. Let's go on to verse 43. And why is this granted to me that the mother of Lord should come to me? Elizabeth saying, wow. The mother of the Lord, of the Lord should come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. When you walked through that door and I heard who it was, something happened with this child. Ladies, you know what that, if you had a child, you know what that, that stirring is. But this was something unique. This was something, you know, special. There was more so when Mary approached Elizabeth in verse 45, and blessed is he, Blessed is she who believed that there will be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And again, Elizabeth didn't know God had spoken to her. But through God, she was made known about Mary because she was filled with the Holy Spirit and God told her. What was Elizabeth's response to the birth of Jesus Christ? It's simply praise and worship. Praise and worship. How did John... The baby, baby John, the baby inside. In fact, don't even know the, uh, I don't think we know the name yet, but because it was given to Zachariah, but how did baby John the Baptist respond to the birth of Jesus? Well, just think about it a moment. As, as Mary was approaching, if we could have Elizabeth on an ultrasound, I just think of my, this is my imagination. We have uh, here, and Elizabeth's on this ultrasound, and we see this image of John there, and he's laying peacefully, and all of a sudden, here comes Mary through the door, and all of a sudden, this little baby jumps up, leaps up, it says. He leaps up, and I could just see maybe little hands going up, praise the Lord. I just could see that, that he was praising God, you know, he's there, and he's, and he's just jumping, he's excited, you know, and we could just see that in the can't you see that in the ultrasound? There he was. And then he nails down. And he says, oh, I'm not even worthy to cut the umbilical cord of Jesus. <laughs> Just something happened. With the stirring of that baby. Who knew through the Holy Spirit that this was someone special. It was exciting. I'll say this, my friend. Never forget that the Bible clearly teaches that life begins at conception and the womb is just a transitory home for human life. Never forget that. Here we have John who is praising God in the womb. Don't tell me that that's not life. 
And so here he was. Well, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, this is God talking. And she says three times, uh, Mary, you are blessed. Blessed are you among the women. Blessed is the fruit of your own. Blessed is he who, who, who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken from the Lord. Mary, you are blessed three times. And when we come to Mary, we think about Mary and what Elizabeth's response to Mary. Let's not elevate Mary uh, 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 that, uh, to a position that ex- exceeds what the, uh, the position of the Scripture places Mary. You see, Mary was just like you and I. She was a sinner that needs a Savior. You and I need a Savior. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you, Jesus was born to be your Savior, to die on the cross for your Savior, just like he did for Mary. She was a human vessel that was willing to be used by God. And, and literally, you know, we can all be blessed like Mary if we're willing to let God use us however he, see, however he sees fit. And being used by God can be like, put us in predicament like Mary. It's unusual. It can be, uh, can be uh, uh, difficult. It could be um, unique. It's a standout and, and, and there could be a lot of controversy, you know, how God uses us. But if we're willing, I promise you, you will be blessed by God beyond your imagination. You'll be amazed how God will use you, just as Mary was. Let's read on to verse, let's look down to verse 67 and, and look at Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband. And this would be John's uh, father. And his father, Zechariah, John was filled with the Holy Spirit, again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, Blessed be the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Zechariah has the same response as his wife Elizabeth. He is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesies, speaking God's word. These are God's word coming out. This is as if God himself is speaking through Zechariah. Blessed be the Lord. Praise and worship. This truly is the spirit of Christmas, of that first Christmas. Let's turn to chapter 2 in, verse, uh, in, in Luke, okay? Luke chapter 2, and let's look at verse number 8. Let's look at the shepherds. And in the same region there were shepherds out on the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone, shone around about them, and they were filled with great fear. I could imagine so. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel uh, angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Do you see how the angels responded to the birth of Jesus? They were praising God, they were worshiping God, glorifying God. At the announcement of the birth of Jesus, the angels, the multitudes of angels, heavenly hosts. And isn't this how Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, praised. They responded with the same fashion of worshiping uh, the Lord. 
In verse 20, we find out how the shepherds responded. In verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. We hear the telling that Jesus was being born. There was the praising, and they saw it, and there was the worshiping as they'd returned and told others as well. The point is, they left the presence in the spirit of worship. Let's go down to verse 25 in chapter 2. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. We stop. In the NLT it says, he eagerly expected the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. This is what this means. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. You know, he's looking for the Messiah. Messiah's going to come. They knew in the Old Testament the Messiah would come, and they were looking for that. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the, uh, the Lord's Christ. Uh, uh. And he came in the Spirit in the temple, and when the pre- parents bought, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of law. This was after the birth of Christ. They brought him in, and he was going to be circumcised. And he says, and he took him in his arms and blessed God. Let's think about that for just a moment. Simeon, his whole life, he'd been told and he believed, and even God himself said, Simeon, before you die, you're going to see the Messiah. I can imagine he watched every new person that came through that door would say, is it him? I would imagine that there was a whole life that he was expecting that, that Jesus would come at any moment. And he was ready. He knew that one day he would see the Messiah. And one day, when he was on duty, Mary and Joseph arrived. And he knew, this is Jesus. This is the Messiah. And he went to Mary and Joseph. And he reached out and he took Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. You see, at this time, they had been, they had been a, a, a season of silence, not hearing from God for 400 years. And he had believed in Isaiah, the prophecy of of how Jesus would come. And, and he knew that this woman who had this child, that she was a virgin. This was something special that was happening here. He knew that this prophecy was being fulfilled right in front of his eyes. And he also knew that that baby Jesus, that baby they held in his arm, somehow would one day grow up and to be the sacrifice, our Savior our deliverer, our redeemer, the one who sets us free. He knew that. And his response was simply, he had him in his arms, he took him up in his arms, and he blessed God. He praised God. Oh, you couldn't have asked for a better Christmas present for, for Simon, Simeon. You couldn't ask for a better present to, to, to receive than this present. Notice in verse 36, there was a prophetess. Her name was Anna, the daughter 
of Phineal of the tribe of Asher, and she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. And probably she got married when she was either in her late teens or, or early 20s, uh, that she got married, and so for 60-some years, give or take a few years, that she was there as a widow. And we could say life had been unkind to her, She had suffered loss, but she didn't allow the loss to stop her from praising God. She didn't blame God for her troubles. She wasn't mad at God. In fact, it says she did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and praying night and day. And coming up the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She saw this. She is well along with with Simeon and Joseph and Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah and the shepherds. They saw Jesus after he was born. And the common thread for all those who participated in the first Christmas was the spirit of worship. It's very clear. It's very strong that God wants us to know that at the first Christmas, there were people praising and worshiping God. Let me ask you this question. When we compare the first Christmas and the Christmas of 2020, do we have more or less reasons to have the spirit of worship for this Christmas season? I submit to you that we have more reasons to worship than they did at that first Christmas. For you see, they didn't know the details on how Jesus would live. We get to celebrate, man, he is a sinless life. Yeah, we'd be proud of Jesus. You know, look at the, what, what he did and the miracles that he performed. Amazing. And, and, and he was betrayed by a friend. He was tormented. He suffered on the way to the cross. And he was willing to to go to the cross. And we know all the gory details of that. The crown of thorns, the the beard being plucked out, the the piercing of the side, the the whip uh, on the back. We know all that. They didn't know that. And yet they praise God. And we know that he did that for us. And now he died on the cross But three days later, he rose up from the grave. We know that. And we can celebrate what Jesus Christ has done. Since the first Christmas, hasn't time produced more stories about the faithfulness of God? Even in our own lives. And then when we hear about the stories of the New Testament, and then we hear stories over and over the stories, how God has been faithful over and over again. We could say more time equals more evidence for the glory of God. And since the first Christmas, hasn't life produced more fulfilled prophecies than at the first Christmas? And there were some unfulfilled prophecies at the first Christmas, but now we have uh, fulfilled prophecies. Just as the Holy Spirit would come and, and all the prophecies of how Jesus would live and die and, and rise, uh, be raised up again. And, and then uh, 
the prophecies that are being folded of the end times, all those, they did not see these. And since the first Christmas, God has forgiven the sins of many, many more lives, including perhaps our sins, if you have believed. Think of all the lives that have been changed since that true Christmas, including your own. Listen, let's take all what I said and push it over to the side for just a moment. Listen, if you were the only good thing, if your salvation was the only good thing that happened after the first Christmas, you would have more to praise God than those of the first Christmas. We have something to praise and to worship God for the Christmas of 2020. So how do, we, how do we bring the spirit of Christmas home to where we live? How do we make it real and uh, relevant in our life? How can we experience the true spirit of Christmas in 2020? And there's one word, is, is that word worship. Of all the times and all the Christmas, I would say that, that we need to make worship important about Christmas. This, in 2020, is the time that we need to make worship uh, important. Mary's a great example of what worship looks like. When she heard the news that she would be the one who would deliver the Son of God to our world, she wrote a song that gives us three dimensions of worship. And I want to quickly look at these as cue cards and how to worship God. So I want you to take this away. Challenge you that this is the, that we are to have the true... The, the, the spirit of worship in Christmas, and I would challenge us to have worship relevant in our life. The first one is, is this, is the right, uh, right approach in, in worship. Luke chapter 1, we'll go back to Luke chapter 1, and Mary pens this song after a visit with Elizabeth. It's called the, the, the Magnificat. And, and Mary, in verse 46, it says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This is a song that she came up with that praises God, that gives worship to God. She said, It's my soul, my spirit. It, it is reference to that which is internal. The internal speaks of the inner being, the mind, the motion, the will, all the moral, mental feelings, impulses of the human heart. True worship swells from within. It is not external. It's not a time or place or location that we go to worship, that at this time we worship. It starts eternal. Worship is not looking at stained glass windows, hearing organ music, hearing a choir, listening to the Christmas bells, or hearing a sermon, reading a Bible, carrying a Bible, coming to church, functioning in a ritual, lighting a candle, kneeling down, praying, praying a prayer, even taking the Lord's table. The Lord, excuse me, those are functions in which true worship may occur, but they are not synonymous with true worship. True worship is in the inside. It's in that inner being where only you and God knows what's going on. True worship is in the soul and the spirit. 
and every part of the inner being like a great orchestra, every element of our inner person coming together to blend harmony, and the whole crescendo is seen coming from the soul of Mary, and she produces this song. She swells from her inner heart and adoring the wondrous praise to God, her Savior, from the inside. My soul, my spirit. True worship begins on the inside. Starts with accepting Jesus Christ as a Savior. And this worship begins in our thoughts. My soul magnifies the Lord. When we make Jesus Christ bigger than any other point in our life, Jesus, that Jesus becomes the most important person in our life. When he is the first one I, I run to when I need help, I am seeking the Lord. I, I am living a lifestyle that wants to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness before anything else. It starts within. And when worship happens within, then worship will happen without. First the interior, then the exterior. You know, our worship team, they come, they practice, but I guarantee you that they have already had worship with the Lord in their hearts already. And when they stand before us, it is an expression of what's already happened in their heart, in their life, in their soul, in their spirit. These are the words of Mary as she proclaims what has already taken place in her heart. And she sings this song. I don't know if she's saying it for Elizabeth. I don't know if it's off by herself. But we have these words. We're an expression of the worship that was in her heart. Starts within. Starts with our heart. And then the right person. We've got to have the right person. We've got to have the right focus, the right object of worship. And of course, it is God. The only God, the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is our focus of worship. Who he is and what he has done for us, which brings us to the third point, the right reasons of worship. Listen to who Mary worships and why she worships only God. Let's read this song. I would love to sing it, but we won't. I'll spare you that. That'll be my gift to you this morning. I won't sing for you. My soul magnifies the Lord, verse 47, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has worked on the humble state, a state of the servant. For, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. She is saying, God used me, and I am blessed. I am praising God for what he has done in my life. Verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He is worthy. He is, he is the one who has done those wonderful, mighty things for me. And his name is holy. He is a holy God. That is something to celebrate. And his mercy. Oh, his mercy. Why? What is the reason for that we worship? He is merciful, God. For his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength in his arms. He is a strong, powerful God, and we can praise him for that. We are thankful for that. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from the thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Mary, Mary could identify that. It was a lowly, 
I don't know what her status in life, but it seemed that she was a humble person and she was like, a, like maybe a nobody, but God has elevated her because of her trust in him. In 53, he has filled with... He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke to our fathers and to Abraham and to his offspring forever. The right reason for worship is God and what he has done for us, who he is, and what he can do, and his strength and his power, and his heart of forgiveness and merciful and love for us. If someone came to you, could be a stranger, could be a friend, came up to you and said, listen, I want to do something for you. I want to pay off all your debts that you have in your life. Not only that, but I see this house that you have. I see the car that you drive. Listen, I want to give you a brand new house. I'm going to give you a brand new car, top of the line, best out there. Uh, you know, in the contents of your house, I'm going to give you a new house, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you new appliances. I'm going to give you new furniture, top of the line, best out there. And that person said, I'm going to give you my number, and if you ever need anything, I don't, I don't care what it is. If you ever need anything, here's my number, and you can reach me 24-7, and I'll be there because I want to help you through life. How do we feel about that person? I think we feel like you know, we hit the lotto, so to speak. And if that person would ever stop by our house, and we are out there in front of our new house that they gave us, our new car that we're driving, and we're washing it in the new yard and driveway, and here comes this individual that has been so good to us. And he stops by one day. Would we be, would we be open and available for him to stop whatever we're doing and just talk to him and visit with him? If we woke up in the middle of the night... He says, I want to talk to you. Would we want to spend time with this individual? How would we feel about the one who has given us everything? Has, has done more. And, and, and we'll do more if we need it. If he wanted to do coffee with us before our normal time of getting up, we'll be willing if he wanted to meet with us. You say, okay. I'll set my alarm clock a little bit early because I know you want to talk to me and you have been so good to me. You see, worship is about showing our appreciation for what God has done for us. And if you're honest about this, we could be overwhelmed about the goodness of God. We could be so overwhelmed that we could be like Mary that hey, we want to break out in a song how God has been so good to us. Jesus Christ deserves to be worshipped this season. 
you know, if we don't worship the Lord this Christmas, you know, others will. And if those won't, the rocks are going to cry out and worship of, of God because he deserves our worship. And we can be honest. Listen to the Lord earn the right for us to worship him. Just on the factor of salvation alone, we get to go to heaven and we're, he has redeemed us from, from a place of the lake of fire. That alone would cause us to want to worship Jesus Christ, to have a lifestyle of worship and praising. So I'm going to give you a some practical challenge this morning in closing. Let's make this Christmas a Christmas of worship of 2020 beyond any other Christmas that we have. Let me challenge you to choose in your heart right now. You remember, it starts right here. You can be nodding your head, yes, but it starts right here. And this is where the decision is made. Let's, let's set a time each day for worship the Lord Jesus. And, and, and may I encourage you to start with music. Music, as Mary was, is very evident, and, and just get some Christian music and, and just sit there and allow that song or two or three songs and just make a practice that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship the Lord and I'm going to have this song and it speaks to me just like we, we just sang a song a while ago that just spoke to us. It put us in a time and frame and thinking about God and, and our action from our heart. We sing from our heart. Let's do that. Let's use scripture to worship the Lord. Let's use God's word. He, he gives us all the tools the voice, everything. We can even take his word and turn around to worship back to him. It's wonderful. The book of Psalms is loaded with, with scriptures that we can worship God. Let's make, as we approach Christmas 2020, let's have the spirit of worship in this Christmas like never before. Let's magnify the Lord, make him larger than anything that else is going on in our life. And we're going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads in prayer, please? So we bow our heads in prayer. If you're here this morning. To worship the Lord, to have the true spirit of Christmas, you have to accept the true purpose for Christmas. You have to believe that you need a Savior. And Jesus was born to be your Savior. You have to believe. If you would do that, your Christmas will be a Christmas like you've never experienced Christmas. Because you have received the true meaning, the purpose of why Jesus came. You hear this morning and you have believed. You've trusted God. And perhaps that there's an overwhelming of something. And perhaps you just, you know, you've been kind of coasting. And maybe... 
even in your own life, in your, your relationship with the Lord, that you've kind of put it on the, on the back burner. God has challenged you right now. I mean, it's just like he's spoken to you, like as if you were the only one here in the room, to, to hey, you need to get back making the Lord first in your life. You need, you need to get back to a place where you're worshiping him. You used to have the Bible and you used to have the, maybe the, the songs and maybe that there's something that just, you just let things have kind of like crept in. And it's easy to do. We all, we've all been there. But he's a faithful God and he promised to help us renew our hearts or renew our minds and come back to him. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're here and, and you, you, everything's good between you and the Lord. You just like to praise him and pray that, you know, that you'll not slip away from worshiping him. You'll not allow the, the familiar to be common. That you would ask God to, to awe you again. Bring fresh and new how God, how glorious you are, how good you are. Father, as we approach this Christmas season, I pray that everyone has received the most greatest present ever, the gift of salvation. If there's one here, Father, that's not, I pray that right now they will open their hearts to you and believe and trust you that today, today is the time that they allow you to come in to be their, you, their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray for uh, us as believers as we approach this time, and there are many things that like rubs us wrong, like sandpaper and the things that are happening in our culture. But God, we, we won't let that throw a damper on our worship you. We'll rise above that. You are worthy, and God, you are doing powerful, wonderful things through this season. That, you, God, you are a sovereign God, that you are not surprised, and it is part of your plan for redeeming this world. You will use this for good, and we will praise you. Despite the way we may feel, what we have experienced, or what we hear, God, we will worship you. We ask you to bless each and every one of us. Protect us. Help us, Lord, to stay close to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I ask you to stand with me. We can help you in any way. Please let us know. We're here for you. We want to sing this one more last worship song. And now think about that. Let us start from our heart and let what comes out of our voice already be what's in us. Let's sing.
Let's go and glorify him this week and magnify him as Mary did, as all the characters of the first Christmas story. Let's all do that this week and just see what God does through that. Have a blessed week. We love you guys.